0: Mm -hmm. What do you think are his chances of staying on uh, in the House, considering that since, well, 1970 or so, everyone who's ever stepped down – this is the first one who's been fired – from Speaker of the House has subsequently left politics very soon after, with with the exception of Nancy Pelosi, of course?
1: Well, I think that's easy to say, but, I mean, we've got to look at this also from – you know, a practical standpoint, like he couldn't. So, uh, McCarthy obviously couldn't get anything done, uh, because he can't rein in the Freedom Caucus. But I don't see how some of these other nominees are going to do any better because they're going to have trouble with the middle part of the party.
0: And, uh, just one more before, um, before we have to go, because I think we're almost to time. Uh, do you think there's any chance of getting rid of the uh, 1932 artificial cap on the size of the house?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, I, I tell you what, I, I, I know that we've taken up enough of your time. The thing is, you are time and space and also the outer god of gates so you know let me just say you know on behalf of liquid flannel and our audience um outer god yag so it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much thank you Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew, joined as ever by my comrade and co-host from beautiful New York City, John. Hello, John.
0: Hey, how's it going? I thought that last interview went great. There was so much less ionizing radiation than I was expecting.
1: Yeah, um, my my eyes did bleed a little bit, um, but I think that that's sort of normal, um, when when dealing with a an eldritch. Entity like that, so
0: yeah, uh, surprisingly down to earth and very funny. Yeah, very
1: mm-hmm. funny. That was that was what surprised me the most. Was just a really good sense of humor for somebody who just can't even exist on our material plane. But yeah, very insightful, very funny. Thank you again, Yogsotha, uh, for that for that interview. We'll, we'll be glad to share share that with you in full. Um, so. Yeah, Let's... um I'm I'm feeling good. I think that's that's a, a a good way to start off, you know, the most wonderful time of the year. And regular and longtime listeners will know that um we take Spooktober very seriously on the Liquid Flannel podcast. So it's been delightful um to see the the season really kicking off. Um I myself am doing my uh my usual Uh, movie marathon so uh, we're recording this on the fourth I've already watched six movies um, out of my requisite 31 so I'm off to a good start today was all John Carpenter
0: anything good I mean it's John Carpenter it's all good Uh, except Ghosts of Mars
1: (laughs) I haven't seen Ghosts of Mars I might have to add that just so I can do the like the John Carpenter like completionist thing Uh, but yes today was uh, in the mouth of madness uh, mm-hmm. with one of my faves, uh, Sam Neill. It was... Guy owns an excellent pig. Yes, yes, he does. Um, yeah, all all sorts of excellent stuff, Sam Neill. Sam Neill just seems to be living his best life. He's just out there in New Zealand, making wine, doing Taika Waititi movies that are uh, underappreciated. Um, yeah, so I watched that one. and watched They Live, of course, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is the the second of at least two movies featuring Keith David, which I think is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if Keith David and John Carpenter just got along real well, but he's excellent in They Live. And of course, Roddy Piper and, you know, the aliens. I had forgotten that that film ends with that cheapest and most effective special effect. Literally the last shot of the film has tits in it uh, when the rest of the movie has not had titties in it. Uh, the whole time, so it it ends up being kind of a surprise.
0: That, that really feels like a producer or a, a a backer is like, excuse me, I wanted some full frontal in this. Where's right. the have,
1: <laughs> yeah, come on, John, what are you doing? Every every movie coming out, every horror movie has got to have at least one one shot of a a topless gal. In it. And John's just like, fine, I'll put it in the end. Whatever.
0: It's like the uh, woman crushing the egg at the very start of. Uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I was like, no, that was a specific request by a backer. Right. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, and then uh, I'm about halfway through uh, Halloween, just the original Halloween. You got to watch mm-hmm. it.
0: It's it's Halloween season, so. Well, I I uh, I promise we'll get to like relevant topics in, in a few minutes, but I just rewatched. Uh, actually, I guess it's watched because I don't didn't remember any of it when it came out. Uh, Hollywood H2O. Ha- Halloween. Not Halloween H two O. Halloween. That's that's Wes Craven's new nightmare. Um, right, right. H two O, and it was just like first off, I forgot it was by the guy who wrote Scream and who wrote um, Dawson's Creek. Oh, is it? That's the that's the two thousand. That's
1: that's the two thousand reboot of the Halloween reboot, free- Re- 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 not Re-quil. reboot, but a sequel.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 and they said like they consider this to be the actual sequel because it does. And uh-huh. but it, it's interesting as a, as a slasher. It does kind of feel like maybe it was a script that was rewritten that was sitting in a pile somewhere and rewritten to be about Michael Myers. Yeah, with but Michael it ha- Myers. Sure. But it has just it has the most uh, Josh Hartnett's first role. It has the most obviously written as a gay teen and his female best friend that have been awkwardly turned them into a couple I have ever seen on screen. Right.
1: Oh, that's wild. Josh Hart's first role, really?
0: His very first role. He looks like uh, a child. Yeah, sure. And I'm just sitting here going like, this, I'm sorry, this teenage boy is being way too bitchy to his single mom <laughs> for me to buy that he is in any way heterosexual. needs a,
1: yeah, needs needs a, needs a firm father figure to, you know, really set off the the distinction there. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah so um real john carpenter day um and uh feeling like I'm making good progress on on my uh spooktober movies, so I have to Excellent. kind of front load them because I think work is going to pick up near the end of the month, so i wanna I wanna get out ahead of it a little bit but <laughs> yeah. so so um as as we were discussing uh during our you know the little snippet that you heard, and we're not gonna go into. It. Great detail on it since it's still a developing story, but of course, um, we've we've learned that uh, the uh, speaker of the house, Kevin McCarthy, has been ousted. Um, I love the word ouster. You know, I just love that. You know, you can give somebody an ouster. It's kind of cool.
0: Or, or, or the use of the term to vacate. To vacate like the mm-hmm. adverbial form. Right. But I feel like all of this news is obscuring the most important news story of the last day with regard to uh, politics, which is uh, Joe Biden's insane dog keeps biting people. <laughs> yes. Commander. What's, what's going on with
1: commander? Like where is major? Where uh, yeah. did he get sent to a farm upstate? Uh, 11, 11, documented cases. So you gotta wonder. And well, apparently, apparently they found this out because of uh, some like freedom of information act request. From some con- conservative watchdog group. They, like, really wanted to know what was going on with Joe Biden's dog.
0: They wanted to watch that dog. Yeah. That one Yeah, that's, that's
1: right. It was, it was a watchdog <laughs> group. Not a watchdog group, but literally a group that just watches dogs, apparently.
0: But here's the thing. He's only bitten Secret Service members. Right. And it's, like, it's not like – I just sort of assumed, like, oh, the dog is just, like, untrained because he's, like, two or something. And German shepherds that age are a little rambunctious. But everyone says no. The dog's fine with us. He's fine with the staffers. He hasn't eaten the cat yet. Yeah. So like, how how he's old is only
1: Commander? Bu- is he like a puppy
0: or? He's like two. Oh okay. Yeah. So he is a little rambunctious. Right. But it's just, um, I think, uh, you know, the song "Good Vibrations" was written because his mom said that dogs can pick up on vibrations from people. Yeah, and I think Commander definitely can because the Secret Service fucking sucks.
1: Yeah, well, and and I was thinking about it too, um, when I was I was walking my dog yesterday, and this neighbor whom she knows and has gotten along with, uh, came up to her, but then sort of like shied away, which of course like triggers a dog to like start to try to pull and get to them, you know. And I was thinking about how, you know, it's possible that the uh, like you were saying, the the Secret Service guys just have bad vibes because they can't, you know, they're they're trying to watch the president, and like you know, keep an eye on the periphery and the perimeter and exits and stuff like that. Um, so they probably don't have time to get down on their knees and go like, "Oh, come who's a good boy?" You know.
0: No, no, they, they've had bad vibes since they were started because they were signed into existence hours before Lincoln got shot. So they're already one <laughs> negative one. <laughs>
1: They're they're still trying to live down that black eye.
0: And I mean, if even like not counting anything like recent, like the January 6th stuff or the the weirdness around them being like super cops in a job everyone hates, all you have to do is Google secret service agent drunk and you'll get one scandal a year. It's so bad that it's a complicating factor in the JFK assassination theory. Because oh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: That The, the that night the guys... before the assassination, oh, ahead, they were all
0: drinking, like, Everclear and fruit juice at this uh, beatnik bar.
1: Yeah, see, I thought you were going to talk about how, you know, one of the big JFK assassination theories is that one of the Secret Service guys, rushing to protect the president, accidentally fired his uh, gun off and <laughs> yeah. and delivered the killing blow, which, again, not a great look, Secret Service.
0: Or, or like, um... You know that guy recently who was like, "Yeah, I uh, I hid the gun when I was there in Dallas." Man, and it's like, "Oh, you guys were just severely hungover, huh?" <laughs> it's it's all the tendency Or like Garfield got shot because he was waiting in the waiting room because <laughs> the Secret Service didn't want to pay for their own tickets.
1: What the hell?
0: Um, it's just. Non-stop L's.
1: Yeah, um, non- non-stop L were on those they, part they of the Secret were, Service. They
0: were uh, exposed, running basically a prostitution ring in Colombia. Huh? It's just, it's endless. Uh, the Clintons famously hated their Secret Service detail because they thought they were spying on them for the bushes. And everyone said, oh, well, that just means the Clintons are paranoid and weird. And I'm like, no, it turns out they were spying on no, the No, of course bushes. they
1: were. Yeah, absolutely they were doing that.
0: Oh, God.
1: I think oh, I think that it's Safe to assume that if you're a Clinton, then at least one person in the room with you at all times is spying on you for some nefarious purpose. Yeah, now, it's made them very normal. Yeah, well, that's that's not to say that the Clintons don't deserve it. Uh, but, you know, I think that's a reasonable thing to assume if you are a member of that particular dynasty.
0: Uh, I just wanted to say this because there is a a musical theater connection to the Secret Service being bad. All right. Other, when other the than performance, just
1: the, the the theater uh, connection with Abraham Lincoln,
0: right, or or assassins, right?
1: Oh yes, uh, yeah, good call. Uh,
0: during the uh, White House performance of 1776, uh, the Secret Service advised Nixon that maybe he shouldn't attend, uh, or maybe he should leave the room during a, a certain number. Of cold, considerate men. Which is about like, the rich Americans who don't want to join the revolution, because it was widely seen as an attack on Nixon himself. Huh? Nixon overruled them and went to see the show, and then like, gave him a standing ovation after that part, and you know, clapped really loud, bravo. And then, like, the next day, called the guy who was going to be like the director of the screen version and said, "Yeah, cut that number from the movie." <laughs> there, yeah. there are so many good like secret service Nixon stories because, like, again, the people who sign up for the Secret Service, they either they drew a bad lot or, like, they're, like, a psychotic fan of the president.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, you've got to have a bunch of true believers in there as well.
0: I mean, they're, they're, there's a theory going around, actually, that the White House is kept deliberately kind of shitty in order to prevent people – make sure it's only people who really believe. Like, its kitchen is infamously bad to work in. Right. But, yeah, no, there are so many good, like, Secret Service Nixon stories because, like, He'd be like, be intensely paranoid and think he's being spied on by them. And they would have to develop this like secret code word they would use that means, hey, he's drunk and talking to paintings again and rambling about nuking China. (laughs) Can someone please like put a cold compress on his head or something? Right. Uh, But the best thing is uh, when I think it was one of Nixon's early years, he went like overseas for the first time and he saw all like the European military. Uniforms and the sort of uh, fancy epaulettes and oh yeah, that's right. No, he wanted he
1: wanted to uh, he wanted to basically dress them all up in um, like costume, like, you
0: like, know, like he thought, fancy he white he needed dress. Like a
1: yeah, then he needed like um, you know like a, a real honor guard, like the the Praetorian Guard from uh, I don't know Star Wars or ancient Rome or something. Or I should just like, like the, the
0: Swiss guards. Yeah, the for, like, Swiss guards. Sure. Yeah, you oh, yeah, going to give them you a you, good what, pike. you should.
1: We should totally make them wear those pantaloons, the like yeah. super bright orange and blue ones. Those are yeah, those are great. Make them carry a big fuck off halberd around or whatever that spear is called.
0: Yeah, no, and um uh, everyone's immediate reaction to this was like, "No, Fruity, gay, stop it immediately." Yeah. So they were eventually donated to a high school marching band in Texas. <laughs>
1: That's outstanding. Well, and I'm I'm curious too about uh, you know, when it comes to say Nixon or the Clintons, um, you know, if you do have kind of a mixture of Secret Service agents who are, uh, working working for some political opponent uh, on the side, and people who are true believers in either the current president or at least like the integrity of the office, what kind of a uh, weird uh, office dynamic does that create for them? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they've got a be, You know, there's like there's a particular locker in the locker room where they're all jotting down notes about each other, or like like you a mean particular LBJ is list peeing on them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And for a while, I don't think they do this anymore, but for a while, they used to, like, bunker them together, like, two to a room, because no one wants to spend any money on the Secret Service. Oh, so it's
1: like a, like a Mormon mission trip, in addition to being one of the shittiest jobs in the world?
0: Yes. Beautiful. I mean, I guess there's a reason they're, like, constantly drunk.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could take that job seriously without it, to be honest. Well... So what what are we saying then? The uh the liquid flannel position on this is uh, critical support for commander.
0: Dog good cop
1: bad. Dog good cop bad. I I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with uh man, we should have saved that one for the high note. <laughs>
0: <laughs> high notes, dogs, have you considered them?
1: Yeah, dogs. Consi- consider a dog. No, just consider. we'll 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 take a break and let you consider a dog for a few minutes and uh yeah, we'll be back. Oh say, do you see what I see, Congress sitting here in sweet serenity, I could cheer, the reason's clear, for the first time in a year, Adams isn't here, and look, the sun is in the sky, a breeze is blowing by, and there's not a single fly, I sing Hosanna, Hosanna, Oh, uh,
0: I didn't get it in because it wasn't relevant, but one time Jimmy Carter caused a uh, frantic explosion in Secret Service activity because he mistook a panic button for a flush button. (laughs) Wait, did he think that he had
1: a flush button? Was it like on a keychain? Or how does that work? No, it
0: it was like a... it was in the wall or something.
1: Oh, okay, but that was his panic button. Yeah, like like a flush button on an airplane. He thought. Yeah, that's amazing. So what did, what do they do in that case? I, I assume they all scramble into the bathroom with you. They
0: all scrambled into the bathroom while Jim Carter tried to hide his dick.
1: Yeah, he's he's just sitting there, you know, looking for a match, looking for the looking for the air freshener or whatever. And all of a sudden, he's surrounded by dudes with guns, like, you know, holding down the perimeter.
0: Yeah, he also once attempted to sleep in his car to save money by not going to a motel because he's such an austerity freak.
1: Right. Not just in general, but, like, specifically while he was president. Yes. I'm sure the Secret Service went nuts for that idea.
0: Apparently, they had to carry him out like a baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a he's a small man. That probably wouldn't have been too hard. He's just a little peanut. Yeah here's a little our little peanut president well that's all very good stuff um i don't know we're going to i suppose move on to a, a more substantive topic after after talking about how how good dogs are uh, i'll talk about that all day but um i'm not sure if there's a smooth way to transition this one but um it's John, a jarring shift in tone. Yeah, a jarring shift in tone. I I, I apologize to our our listeners for that. But John, have the uh, have the floodwaters receded down there? Are you guys you guys safe and dry and on high ground?
0: Well, um, in case you weren't aware, uh, God is visiting the plagues upon New York City. Uh huh. I'm looking forward to the frogs.
1: Uh yeah. Now, uh, I've I've learned recently that the uh that there's a a huge rabbinical debate about the plague of frogs, whether it was a whole bunch of frogs, or if it was just one very large frog.
0: Yeah, this is a kaju situation.
1: Right, yeah. Like, one giant frog was just kind of stomping around, messing stuff up. Because honestly, I don't don't see what the problem would be with just having a whole bunch of frogs around. I mean, kind of annoying, I suppose, but...
0: So you mean to tell me uh, the most learned council of uh, rabbis is asking the question, would you rather fight 10,000 small frogs <laughs> or one very big frog? Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's, that's as I understand the, uh, the debate as it stands. Um, I think they've yeah, no. mostly come down in favor of it was lots and lots of frogs, but there is a, a sect of holdouts who believe that it was just one very large frog. Which, if you're going to attack New York City, that's what you would want, right? To be like a Godzilla or Cloverfield sort of situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, really big Kermit. Imagine something that could never harm us. Yeah, I can yeah, see it. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, except it's a Muppet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's not trying to destroy the city. He just wants to dance.
1: <laughs> He's just trying to make his way in, in Hollywood. You got you to gotta get him back on the road. Moving uh, no, right along, so, you know?
0: So, yeah, the the flood, uh, flooding was in places where it usually floods, but it flooded real bad. Mm-hmm. It shut the subway system down. A lot of people were um, trapped in the subways or in the buses or in school buses because the mayor's office didn't issue a, hey, there's going to be a gigantic tropical storm warning. Maybe we should close the schools and you should stay home. Mm-hmm. They issued something like an email at 1145 saying uh, – consider a travel advisory. Yikes. So a lot of people were like going to work when the storm hit.
1: Right. Or their kids were already at or, school, school or riding yeah. the subway or the buses. Or, or on there. the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's nuts. It's like people are like, well, it's not as bad as it was sometimes. It's like, yeah, these things aren't supposed to happen every other year.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, well, and I liked, uh, that's your your mayor, uh, Eric Adams. Um, yes. Is such a fucking off-putting weirdo that people are criticizing the office and saying you know why didn't your disaster response team like get information out to us why why were people stranded in their cars as the floodwaters were rising around them and he's like i think the thing we need to do is look on the bright side you know um we we uh you know i i, I choose to be positive instead of negative and it's like okay i i choose to be you know, dry instead of soaking wet or, you know, have a car that functions rather than watching my car get washed into a ditch.
0: Yeah, no, we, we got to see the waters from, you know, the Gowanus Canal, which is a Superfund site whose uh, waters can dissolve oysters, overflood and get into people's basements' apartments. Lovely. And when asked how he would deal with the problem of flooding in basement apartments, our mayor said he's a real big drone guy.
1: And was that just non sequitur? Like what? What, what yeah, does that Drones, mean?
0: drones will help.
1: Drone, drones will help us with that.
0: Yeah. Huh. No, uh, to quote, to quote, Maddie Lebchanski, I can't believe. Can you believe what Eric Adams sa- just said? I can. He sounds like a man who's been hit by lightning a hundred times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, just an, an extremely off-putting sort of dude. Now, how did he win that election? he was running against somebody who's even worse or did people just not realize how fucking weird he is
0: it was a really weird election there were a lot of like stray allegations of like sexual harassment that then weren't followed up on and considering eric adams loves to lie all the time like he kept saying that like canvassers for his people were getting beaten up meanwhile People in those neighborhoods were like, they never canvassed here. What the? Oh, you yeah. About?
1: Yeah, no, I remember, no, I remember he, those things. And, yeah, he he, he, and, and like. just like no journalist ever followed up on that or, you know, wrote the uh, wrote a retraction or anything. It was just, we'll take yep. him at his word, even though there's no reason to. And then we just never hear about it again.
0: Yeah, no, it was sort of like, uh, it wasn't taken seriously as an election because everything was just so goddamn weird. Like Curtis Siwa, who appears in The Venture Brothers. <laughs> As a character. Oh, really? Yeah, the the, uh, the head of the Guardian Angels. Oh, yeah. The old, like, white oh, street those gang.
1: fuckers. Yeah, I know who you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and he's, like, he's still around. He ran on the Republican ticket. He's got, <laughs> he's got, like, a thousand cats.
1: Yeah, just, they just released a big video of them, like, marching, like, a, a picket line from, oh, see, you know, like, from They Live, like, through the subway station, as if they have any legal right to enforce any kind of laws?
0: Well, it's not even legal right. It's just like it's a bunch of outer borough geezers.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess the one saving grace is that they are in no way intimidating. They were the the little the little hats and you know suspenders, yeah, the red berets. It's yeah.
0: it was weird. Uh, it turns out like the uh, the more left wing candidate everyone was kind of moving towards like completely melted down in the final couple weeks yeah. um was like accused of abusing uh, staffers and people pointing out like hey if you're this big serious candidate how come we haven't seen you in city politics at all like wh- uh. where did you come from and I don't know man it was just weird the big like if you want to get all electoral pilled on it the big thing was that people who don't normally vote in mayoral elections came out in big numbers because they're outer borough homeowners. So it was really rents, renting versus homeowning. Right. And there was was no one... uh,
1: It was like a NIMBY election, basically.
0: Yeah, and like no one who really rents had any desire to do it. Plus, Eric Adams has been inside the New York political machine since before I was born. He was one of the cops on the scene during... uh, during Giuliani's uh, police riot at City Hall, where they just shouted ethnic slurs at the mayor, Lovely. because because he wanted a he wanted a uh, civilian oversight committee for the police, so they hung him in effigy.
1: <laughs> what the cops did? Where it was yeah. the cops who were her? Yeah, yeah, it the, was it was, was a effigy. cop
0: riot over the idea that maybe someone should be allowed to look at their records,
1: right? Wow, that's that's no great surprise. Um, yeah, no, I think, so I think so most, we have this most weird... people who listen to the show will understand uh, more or less where we stand vis a vis the trustworthiness of law enforcement.
0: And you know, I guess uh, the really thing that got me mad, well, everything got me mad, but what really got me mad was um, there has been this very slow outrolling of anti flood initiatives ever since Sandy nearly destroyed the subway system forever. Mm-hmm. And it's been very slow rolling. And it just got me so angry when someone pointed out, you know how the city is constructing all these like bioswalls, which, if you don't know, is like a, a rain garden near the sidewalks or near public buildings. that yeah, has they're pretty a very, cool, actually. They have, a, yeah, they have a nice deep root system. They usually have pollinating plants, and they absorb a lot of water because every time you remove asphalt or concrete – you make your ability to absorb water and avoid floods better. And they were like, you mm-hmm. know, if we had actually met our goals for installing bioswales like we should have all those years ago, if we had just 3% more asphalt covered in bioswales, the flooding would not have been an issue.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that that kind of thing is uh, – well, I mean, I guess this leads into the, the actual topic I wanted to discuss um, was uh, specifically – you know, urban responses to climate change, because this is not the first sort of climate apocalyptic uh, event that you've lived through even just this year, because earlier this spring, as people will probably recall, um, you were getting, yeah, you know, there were those amazing photos of New York City drowning in orange smoke during a uh, sunset that was all coming down from those uh the wildfires that were burning out of control in uh Quebec and whatever that other province is I I can never keep track of Canada but uh, yeah we had
0: we had darkness at noon it was just great
1: yeah yeah no so it's i mean it's 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 wild that you guys have lived through you know two in one year you know, sort of uh you know this like I said, apocalyptic, I suppose, but um, and record breaking heat the year before that well, and record breaking heat here in Texas as well, and all across the midwest, you know, um we're seeing we're seeing crop failures because uh you know it simply didn't rain for you know two and a half months or something like that with you know hundred and ten degree heat, and it's kind of hard to grow you know the soybeans that feed the pigs that you eat for dinner or, you know, the chickens or whatever, um, if there are no soybeans being grown.
0: Yeah. Um, we all had a nice lesson in cascading failure in supply lines over the last three years. Sure. It's good to see that play out with the food industry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's uh, a, <laughs> and um the people who have the most interest in, uh this are going completely the wrong direction with it then you then you get these people talking about you know oh they're they're purposefully killing off all of the chickens uh so that they can force us to eat bugs and it's like well a why would they do that and b no that's not happening you just you know we're we're increasingly globalized and we have gutted our uh food regulation system To the point where they're not doing the requisite inspections to make sure that, like, avian flu doesn't break out at these giant chicken farms. You know, say what you want about, um, you know, organizations like uh, PETA or, you know, some of these other, I don't know, Extinction Rebellion types. But they've had their finger on this pulse for a long time, which is, you know we really do need a lot more oversight. Like people don't understand where their food comes from. So then when something happens to their food, you know, it's all conspiracy theorizing. It's like, no, this is, this is just a problem of um, scale, lack of oversight, uh, and basically, I don't know, our old, our old bugaboo, capitalism,
0: but Matthew, I've been told my entire life that regulation is the cause of all problems and governments can't do anything right. It's clearly, the reason that these things are happening is because of the Jews.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I had a, a colleague today. Um, we were we were talking a little politics on a break and he said, you know, I just kind of I feel like the, uh, you know, sort of the undercurrent of modern conservative thought is that they really want to install a dictatorship and i was like well okay in fairness so do i except mine would be way cooler <laughs> we could do we could do a lot better with that uh well, well, people of power
0: well, you know people like they joke about how uh how the uh the white, the executive branch loves named various czars. You know, the drug czar, sure. the health czar, and I'm like climate czar, but with all the actual authoritative power of the last czar
1: of an actual czar. Yeah, Not
0: just a lot of just throwing oil company executives out windows while you're on horseback.
1: Absolutely, and hopefully some uh uh, Rasputin-like character who can sleep with all of their wives and you know, uh, prescribe. All sorts of you know kook medicine and stuff.
0: I, actually, I I had never known this until now. I was just like, okay, so why was everyone so convinced Rasputin could cure uh, the prince's hemophilia? It turned out um, the basic solution for any problem for a Russian doctor was to prescribe aspirin.
1: Oh yeah, that makes sense. He
0: just he just told them to stop giving him aspirin.
1: Just just stop giving him aspirin. Yeah yeah yeah, because aspirin's a blood thinner.
0: maybe not not give that to the to the blood clotting problem yeah if
1: you're if you're if your blood's thin already you probably don't need to take an aspirin that's very funny so yeah i mean um yeah you're you're living through the various the various plagues which which one are you rooting for next Um, uh rivers of blood would be nice yeah rivers of blood is pretty cool
0: that's like very instagram filter Mm -hmm. friendly
1: yeah uh I'm I'm trying to remember my prince of Egypt cuz I think that's,
0: that's I think that's the I, I think most the locusts I think we already got that with Exodus. the uh with the oh you've got those the lantern bugs the lantern yeah. flies that's right
1: yeah. yeah yeah frogs rivers of blood what else is there I mean I know I know the last one is the angel of death comes and takes the the firstborn um I don't have any kids so I don't have to worry about that one <laughs> Unless that means me, because I was the firstborn in my family. Oh, shit. I didn't think about that.
0: You better smash that idol to Amun-Ra right now.
1: Oh, it's okay. I've got I've got the lamb's blood on my door anyway. That's just part of my Halloween decorations. <laughs> <laughs> ah, boy. Well, uh, we'll leave you all with apocalyptic thoughts I think going into our final break here, and then hopefully be able to You know, yank the yoke back on this um, voyage of the damned and pull it out into a hideout. Close out. You know, we always like to take the show out on a high note as much as we can. Um, and that one was a little dreary, but um, I had a couple of things, one of which was, uh, you know, my, my Texas Rangers, who have been up and down uh, all season, um, even though they missed out on taking the American League West uh, to the Houston Astros, got a wild card pick and they're back in the playoffs. So, that's pretty fun. Les I checked. Again, this is uh, Wednesday the 4th. They were up uh, in, the, in the lower inning. So hopefully they can, they can do the old hometown proud. I'll appreciate that. And uh, my other one um, is very parochial. Uh, so I'm working this job um, that requires me to basically just sit at my kitchen table for eight hours a day. Uh, listening to people read me PowerPoint presentations. And it's extremely boring, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, And I started to doze off. So I started doing something with my hands, which is cutting up pieces of paper and making paper cranes. Because I remember this book from when I was a kid, that if you make a thousand cranes, thousand paper cranes, you get a wish granted. And my wish is to not have to do this job, like hit the lottery or something like that. Uh, Anyway... Um, my mom surprised me last night with a big box I've got one thousand sheets of this beautiful origami paper um in like twenty different colors so i've got my I've got my paper laid in I'm gonna work through this whole box i'm gonna fold a thousand paper cranes and wish to be anywhere but here. so that's my high note for the week
0: <laughs> well i I also have two high notes and they're both spite based oh good, yeah. Uh, the first one is the writers for the Drew Barrymore show, which, as you recall, uh, attempted to operate in scab form during the writers' yeah, room. What the writer's fuck strike. was she
1: thinking? What was that? Everybody told her it was a bad idea, and then she goes on and she apologizes for it. And she's like, I take full responsibility. Anyway, show starts up in a couple of days, and everyone's like, wait, that's not a fucking apology. You can't just say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it anyway.
0: Well, it it's very likely that was one of the moves that caused the uh, studios to start negotiations with the WGA because it was like, oh, they're just not going to stop it because the WGA has a clause where if you work on a strike a strike on show, you cannot enter the guild ever again. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the few like guild like unions that really enforce that. Uh so as a result, now that the strike is over, Her former writers are like, we're not returning to your show. And in fact, I don't think anyone will be, because they'll probably get blacklisted if they do. So I'm just imagining a couple weeks ago, in Sedona, there's a woman with a lot of shells in her necklace, turning over a tarot (laughs) card in front of Drew Barrymore and saying, you will be the one who ends the strike, and you'll never have to deal with writers ever again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The monkey's paw curls a finger.
0: Yeah, Uh, and my other one, uh, my other one is yeah. Hey, congrats,
1: congrats to the WGA.
0: Yes, that's that's
1: terrific news.
0: Yeah, they got basically everything they wanted. Mm-hmm. It was a huge, huge victory. Yeah.
1: Now the uh, SAG-AFTRA, the, the Screen Actors Guild, they're still on strike, right? They're, they're still
0: on strike, but negotiations have resumed, which is a good sign. Because when re- negotiations resumed with the WGA, it only took them ten days to reach an agreement. Right. What, what after do you think, five months of
1: this? What do you think about the uh, like the AI stuff? Because I think. I think AI is not nearly at the point where it's going to be replacing actual writers. Because if you've seen the output from some of those fucking like Chat GPT, it's just like you know
0: the, they they desperately want it to because they yeah. want to like squeeze more blood from the stone, cut even more costs. Yeah, they, it's just imp- but it's, as we talked about, pablum. imperial Like it looks
1: like nothing when you read it. It it's it's meaningless. Whereas you know one of the the big demands of the uh, the SAG people. Um, is specifically for, like, background actors. You know, if AI mm-hmm. can just generate background actors for your movie, I mean, everything's going to look like that horrible, uh, what was that, Army of the Dead film, where it's like it's obvious everything's computer generated, but also the movie sucks, so who cares, you know? But, like, that's going to put so many people out of work who just, they're just the yeah, extra in the background of your favorite sitcom, you know, sitting in the coffee shop or whatever.
0: We've just had like 100% vote to unionize things from yet another VHS FX shop. So like everything's going in the right direction. Right. One of the demands that they got with the Writers Guild, uh, offer is no, th- nothing generated by artificial intelligence, even though I hate calling it that because it's not, it's an advanced auto complete.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Anything generated from that cannot be the basis of an adaptation. So it's all dead IP now.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, you know, again, congratulations to uh, SAG, or sorry, not SAG, uh, the WGA, and uh, full solidarity with with SAG. And everybody else who's going on strike right now. I guess uh, Kaiser Permanente Mm -hmm. uh, employees are, you know, coming up on their strike deadline. Uh, Oh, no, they already did it today. Oh, did
0: they? It was today. It's the largest healthcare strike in American history.
1: Amazing. Good for them. Okay. Um, so and, yeah, and if, you, second... if you have a chance to, sorry, sorry, John, just real quick. If you have a chance to support any of these strike, uh, you know, strike funds, or even just make a comment in solidarity on social media, I strongly recommend you do. So this is, uh, this is an amazing time in the labor movement uh, in the United States. Something that we haven't seen in gosh decades. Uh it's really nice to see all the solidarity and people actually winning some concessions for once.
0: Speaking of things we haven't seen for decades. Do you remember Kevin Spacey?
1: I remember Kevin Spacey. He was uh Yeah, he he was he was uh he was the guy with the limp in that one crime movie.
0: Mm. Yes, and all of his uh various accusations and how a surprising number of the people accusing him of things have died in car crashes.
1: That's right. He's the guy who murders all of the people who accuse him of being a rapist.
0: Yes. And do you remember when he was on uh, the Netflix show, House of Cards? I do. Yes. Yes. In fact, the ta-dum in Netflix's marketing material, that's the sound of his ring hitting uh-huh. the t- uh, desk. And they really don't want you to remember that. <laughs> um. Anyway... Back when he was uh, getting ready for that role, he shadowed a number of politicians to get a feel for what it's like to work in Washington, and the one Anyone he shadowed... in particular?
1: M- Anyone who might no, be a-
0: It turns out uh, the one he shadowed the most was uh, Mr. Kevin McCarthy.
1: Kevin McCarthy? Man, I haven't who- heard that name since the beginning of the show.
0: And it turns out Kevin McCarthy just had a recent big setback in his career, and uh, as of about... Five hours ago, Kevin Spacey has been rushed to the hospital after dropping like a fly at a film festival. Yeesh. All I want to know is who stole the heart attack gun and can I have it? Uh,
1: right. <laughs> well, and and it's I mean that's that's such an amazing coincidence that Kevin McCarthy's, you know, functional career ends on the same day that maybe Kevin Spacey himself has ended. Do we know?
0: Are they quantumly entangled now? Is
1: is that what's going on? Is there some sort of... uh, Is this like a picture of Dorian Gray type situation? Where whatever happens to Kevin McCarthy professionally happens to Kevin Spacey health-wise. Yeah,
0: it's... It's spooky action at a distance.
1: Amazing. That's outstanding. Well, folks. Speaking of spooky action at a distance, it is spooktober and of course we will be bringing you more more spooky action from whatever distance you are from either texas or new york um but i think we'll we'll wrap it there so um yeah thank you for listening uh we are the liquid flannel podcast uh we are back on twitter though not super active but you can interact with us there at liquid underscore flannel on twitter um I'm still flying incognito due to having made a death threat toward the original founder of Twitter at one point and getting my account banned so um, I'm not going to give you my handle but of course John is on there too and he's easy to find so, anything else John
0: nope nope uh, get your ghoulies ready and head right in we'll see you next time yeah
1: let us know what your uh, what horror movies you're watching and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll feature some some interesting user suggestions later on in the show, but until then, (laughs) okay, goodbye.